0: Welcome back to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is Smitty. How's it going, man? How was your weekend? How was your Sunday? A lot of big football games.
1: Okay. Timeout. Temporary Rams fan, Smitty.
0: That's how I want to be introduced. I, th- I think all of us in Pittsburgh are temporary Rams fans <laughs> um, for the next two weeks. You know, yeah. Although... Apparently you and I and many others were fake fans because we wanted the Bengals to beat the chiefs. Um,
1: and it, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this just because like it, it really didn't matter at the end of the day because whoever won that game today, I wanted to lose in two weeks anyway. Um, right. I just, yeah, regardless of who you wanted to win this game, I like no one person gets to decide what makes or doesn't make a fan, a fan of a team. Um, but I, I just I think that that's a testament to how sick people are. The Chiefs already granted, I think, you know, just one Super Bowl so far. Yeah, they've been to four AFC championships, but I think that there's just start to be some questions about the Chiefs actually being a, a dynasty, if you will. The fact they've only gotten one Super Bowl out of this so far. Um, but hey, that's that's a yeah, topic for those not people in Kansas City yet. to talk about. Yeah, not a dynasty yet, but I just look at it as.
0: They've been to four straight AFC championships. This would have been their third straight Super Bowl in a row that they've gone Mm -hmm. to. So it's hard for me to not root for the underdog in that scenario, no matter who it is, because it's kind of like Patriots syndrome, where you just kind of get sick of them winning all the time. And so you're going to root for them who no matter who they're playing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I completely get it. I understand people. Yeah. Yeah, I I get it. I understand, you know, the logic of people saying that they can't root for them because that they're in the division. I 100% get it. I'm just not going to be somebody that tries to say what other people can do. If that's what you want to do, 100% makes sense. The logic is there. So be it. Great. For people that wanted to see Cincinnati beat Kansas City, I don't care. Great. I just hope now that the Rams beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. That's all I'm rooting for. Get Aaron Donald a ring. And I think all of us are on the same page with that. I think we're Pittsburgh
0: Steelers Nation is
1: all on the same page. Yeah, we just had to get past this AFC Championship game trap to to get collective with how we feel about the Super Bowl. That's what we need. Exactly. And I
0: believe (coughs) the Rams were my pick to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that is something I've been wanting all playoffs. So I'm actually happy about that.
1: Um, as we're going to do for the foreseeable future, we just start off the show by answering a question from Twitter, YouTube, wherever we might grab it from. Uh, today's question does come from Twitter from our uh, a loyal listener Scott Meyer. He also is a generous donator to Rocking Around the Four One Two. So sh- big shout out to Scott. Uh, he said, "What's the most important decision the Steelers will have to make this season?" So I- I'm looking at this. Big picture. I think that the most important decision that they have to make isn't about like a specific position. I think it's about the direction of the franchise. Now, it really dials into what they want to do about the quarterback position. But I guess what I'm saying is, are they trying to still go all in on competing with the roster that they have right now? Or are they going to try to get by, if you will, for a year with just a bridge guy and and wait on quarterback until the 2023 season. So, yes, I am, I guess, kind of dialing in on that quarterback position, but it's more so what are they expecting the outlook to be for 2022 and the future? So, the most important decision that they have to make, in my opinion, is what what type of team do they want to be in 2022? Knowing the Steelers, I'm guessing that they're, they're not going to tank, right? And they're not going to ever settle for less than literally everything that they can juice out of this roster. Um, I I don't know. I'm not saying that they're going big game fishing here. We've talked about it in in, in the past. I think that they're going to bring in another quarterback. I don't think it's going to be through the draft Uh, a slight upgrade, but they're going to address other areas as well, where it's like, they feel like they just get a game manager quarterback and they can still win. I don't know, eight, nine games, be competitive and, and try to squeak into the playoffs. It's just, it's not the Steelers way to ever, Take a step back to try to take a step forward. If you know what I mean, like lose twelve games just to get better draft position.
0: Yeah, and based off of what we saw Art Rooney the second say this week, that, that kind of just backs up what you're saying. He basically basically summing it up. Basically said it's Super Bowl or bust every year for the Steelers. the mm-hmm. The goal does not change, and so I don't think the Steelers are going to stray away from that. Now I, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of. uh quarterback acquiring i don't know if they're gonna try to get one of the big fish that are gonna be out there in the trade market or free agency or if they're just gonna go for someone like we mentioned last week someone around like a tyrod taylor kind of level of quarterback play yeah. um mm-hmm. but either way it would it would still be a an upgrade over what we have with mason rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. at least we're assuming that up to this point but i'm with you i don't think they're, they're gonna um Go do anything in the draft with quarterbacks. Uh, Like I'm I'm not gonna rule it out completely. I just don't see it happening unless, like, honestly, I don't even know a scenario that I could bring up that I think that they're gonna take a quarterback. Um, because I don't really see one taking them outside of the first two rounds. Like at that point, it's not really worth taking a quarterback that late. I mean, Mason Rudolph was a third round pick. They had apparently they had a first round grade on him, but. Uh-huh. It, obviously, he's not a first-round quarterback. So, yeah, I, I, I'm on with you. I, I think that the the big direction is, like, who is going to be the next GM and what kind of GM is he going to be? Because we've seen Co- Kevin Colbert has been very, like, status quo with the Steelers way and, like, what we all st- consider the Steelers way and everything like that. It, it's, it's not really a flash in the pan when it comes to free agent signings, trades, like, all of all, all that, all that stuff. It's It's very simple kind of boring gm work if like for lack of a better word and i'm wondering if we're going to get like whether it's Omar Khan, Brandon Hunt or someone outside the organization if we're going to get someone that's going to be more of a go-getter and like more aggressive when it comes to these free agents if comes to trades and stuff like that stuff that we've haven't really seen as Steeler fans, I mean, for majority of our lives, like the like we said, the past few years, we've seen a few trades like trading up for Devin Bush. That was kind of against the grain for what the Steelers normally do. Whenever we traded for Mika Fitzpatrick, that's also against the grain for what the Steelers normally do, especially in that year, losing your quarterback mm-hmm. and then making that trade. Like that that was a huge deal. I'm glad they did it. But those are only a couple scenarios that we've seen where it's not this typical status quo from what the Steelers typically tend to do whether it comes to trades or free agency. And I'm wondering if the next GM is going to do that. So it would be easy for me to say like all oh, the, the biggest thing in this offseason is going to be the offensive line, retooling the offensive line or getting another corner or all these like different positions. But honestly, the biggest thing in the grand scheme of it all with the Steelers is going to be, who's going to be running the ship. Like who's going to be the next GM after Kevin Colbert, because it's, it's confirmed. And we'll talk about that later. That he's going to be stepping down after the draft, but what's the GN going to be like after Kevin Colbert? Is it going to be kind of the same sort of thing? Like he runs the ship the same sort of way, or is it going to be a completely new regime? And it's something that we haven't seen before as fans.
1: Yeah. Uh, great segue. What I will say is you're right in everything that you're saying about Kevin Colbert. The the I don't know if it's necessarily good news, but it's almost a clean slate for the next GM, though, because for the first time in 18 years, we don't have a franchise quarterback making franchise quarterback money. Um, and that's, you know, that gives him a little bit of flexibility, if you will. The The best thing you can have. When they do find a quarterback is a cheap franchise quarterback. Uh, But we're going to talk about Kevin Colbert's departure from the team following the draft. When we come back, this is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DT Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. That is Tyler. Really not a whole lot to talk about with the Steelers, um, but, but we do know, well, Ben officially retires, blah, blah, blah. We've known that was going to happen for weeks, months, but he actually put out the video. Very nice to see. Finally kind of getting his flowers as well around the league, um, although Tom Brady may or may not be stealing his spotlight we don't really know (laughs) still to this point i think that he's going to retire i think he's just upset about him not being able to to come out and be the one to do it it kind of leaking like this um so now he's making it seem like he's on the fence he might honestly now because it being tom brady come back for a year just despite everybody but yeah he's just you know go win an eighth super bowl because he's upset about the way they went down but um yeah that was as far as two
0: hours not gonna lie
1: as far as ben goes officially done we can put that chapter to bed uh, obviously very thankful for everything that happened. We got great closure with the way that I, I don't want to say with the way it ended in Kansas city, but like the way that it, the, the regular season wrapped up the home finale against Cleveland going on the road and Baltimore getting that win to get into the playoffs as well. I, I mean, really with a team that was constructed here, you really couldn't ask for a better end. In my opinion, I didn't think it was going to be as no. pretty as it even was. Um, so obviously shout out to seven. We keep saying it every episode, but um, that that chapter has officially been closed in Steelers franchise history. And and it was a great long 18 year chapter, but um searching for a new quarterback and Kevin Colbert also very rumored. We knew that this was going to happen as well, going to be stepping out of that position following the NFL draft in April. Now the timing of that, and we talked about this before too, is kind of like, okay, I mean, this, this, All signs point to an internal hire. You know, Brandon Hunt, who's worked very closely in the draft with him, he's the NFL scout. So really, he's identifying not necessarily at the college ranks, but more so the like very instrumental in the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, hammering for that to happen. Also, outside the organization, guys being brought in, Akella Witherspoon, Stephen Nelson, those types. So trades are free agent signings. He's very he's worked hand in hand with Kevin Colbert in that. Um, as far as the draft process goes, I don't know what his involvement has been like there necessarily. I assume the last couple of years though, knowing that Kevin Colbert was going to be on his way out, it's been a little bit more hands on than in previous years. Uh, and the other internal candidate, Omar Khan is more just like the numbers guy. So if you're asking me between the internal options we have, I would, I would tend to lean Brandon Hunt, um, and, you know, really no qualms about it. Uh, he's not what it's not one of those things. We're kind of going back to last week where I'm like, oh, internal hire. Nope. Want nothing to do with that. Like, I think Brandon Hunt is a very deserving candidate. I think he deserves a shot to be the GM of this team. However, I will say, you know, to maybe put to, to ease some of the minds of Steeler fans that don't want to see an internal hire. It does sound like they are also going to be interviewing external <laughs> candidates. So but again. I'm not. There's only 32 GM jobs. Obviously, people want these jobs that coveted. I'm just. It's not as an appealing. It's not an appealing job as opposed to some of them around the lead for any other openings. If you're talking about not being able to take over the team until after the draft. If I were, you know, a coveted GM and I had kind of my pick, I'm not going to a team where I'm not overseeing the draft process this year because Kevin Colbert is still going to be incumbent.
0: Yeah, and that's where it's a little bit different for either Brandon Hunt or Omar Khan, if either of those guys get the job, is where even though they're not the GM, the, the sole GM for this d- upcoming draft, they still are going to mm. have a hand on it, un- unlike any of the outside hires that could happen. So yeah. also I wanted to say I love how I went on this whole tangent the following week uh, about how I wanted outside hires and like interviews and all that sort of stuff. And then the day after we, are, we, are sh- we record our show and our show comes out, it starts to come out that the Steelers are going to be interviewing outside hires for the defensive coordinator job. I, I love that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hate that. Yeah, I, I know I, that there's I, like some... News is... is uh, I'm not saying I love it like I love that they're doing it. I'm just saying I love the timing of everything. It, 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 when uh, we record right. the show and I say it and then and then it happens. But um, for the GM, I, I think that Brandon Hunt is probably my choice as well. Um, Purely because I would like the guy who is able to scout the players more and is able to find the talent more. Because I think a criticism that you could have, you could say over the past, I mean, honestly, decade for a lot of the drafts is a, I, I and I think there's a lot of big hits in the draft, but I think also think that there's been a lot of big misses by the Steelers. Defensive batch, decade. especially. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like you need a guy that is able to scout that and Omar Khan, I'm sure he would be a great GM as well. But I think if, if you have the scouting background like Brandon Hunt does, I feel like that would be the better option. And n- nothing against Omar Khan, but we've, know, we've known and we've seen around the league that if you just have anybody internally that can figure out the numbers, the cap doesn't exist. So I feel like scouting the players and getting the right talent into the organization is what is more important for the Steelers
1: team. Very important point, and I'm sure uh, Zach Saladonia Our friend will appreciate that as well. Cap is a myth, trademarked, by the way, by him as well. Um, But no, I mean, I'm obviously with you. I mentioned him on the Brandon Hunt train. I think that he makes much more sense for the organization. Um, And I just, I'm not, it's not that I'm completely discrediting them hiring an outside guy. I just think like if you're ranking the options, if you're if you're going like favorites, it, it's Brandon Hunt clearly, Omar Khan a, a little bit below him, and then you know several tiers, and then everybody else. I just I don't see it. I I think that it's definitely going to be an internal option. I think Brandon Hunt's the favorite. Now I want to circle back to the thing about the defensive coordinators because there's also been some chatter. Uh, people just assuming that they're you know doing that to obey the Rooney Rule or whatever. Like that's why they're bringing in Patrick Ram for an interview, the Giants' uh, defensive coordinator. I just. I don't know that they'd be interviewing three different guys. I I think that there's legitimately interest in in them kicking the tires and seeing what else is out there. If they can retain Terrell Austin in the same position. I don't think that they want to like slight him in any way. Um, you know, or make him feel like he's not valued in in the organization, because obviously I, I think he did a great job this year with the defensive backs. I mean, you look at what mm-hmm. was back there, what we lost in Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton, and they still played at a pretty high level. I think the most undervalued group position group, um, the way he brought Akella Witherspoon along after, you know, he he wasn't really playing. He wasn't getting a helmet even in the way that he ended the season. Um, Cam Sutton clearly more suited to play in the slot, but I thought he was fine outside as well. Arthur Millette brought what he brought. You know, he's he's not great in coverage, but he provided a little bit, very little bit of that Mike Hilton ability. Um, very short tackler for a guy that playing in the slot and can play around the line of scrimmage a little bit. Really, it's like, you know, James Pierre was really the only thing about that, that DB room that you're just kind of upset with, I guess. But again, it goes back to people just thinking like 38 snaps. I don't know what they were expecting to get. Out of James Pierre, Terrell Edmonds took a step this year, I think, again, like, I mean, you know, you look around the defensive backroom and everybody kind of improved. And who's the defensive back coach? Terrell Austin. And you look at the work he did with Jim Caldwell in Detroit. He took that team from 15th defensively to third defensively in one season. I mean, if Jim Caldwell wasn't let go by the Lions, which I think, which is a move that was st- is still being questioned from time to time today. Uh, who knows? He might still be the defensive coordinator there. I mean, I, the way that this played out, the trickle effect when a head coach gets let go, with his coordinators also being let go. I don't. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that Terrell Austin landed in our lap. I know that the stint in Cincinnati wasn't that great for him, but he he's done good work with our defensive backs.
0: You know, and something I'm, I just thought about while you're talking about that is that I wonder if the guys that we have been talking about, Brandon Hunt and Omar Khan, I wonder if they have any say or any input on who is going to be this next defensive coordinator because obviously Kevin Colbert going to be gone. Like he could hire the dude, yep. but he doesn't have to deal with him at all. And we, yeah. we I know that Mike Tomlin is really the play caller of that defense and defensive coordinator is basically just a fancy name in the Steelers organization. But I wonder if Brandon Hunt on and or Omar Khan have more of a say of who they're getting for these interviews yeah. and maybe that's why we're we're getting multiple uh, interviews for these guys outside of the organization. I wonder if it's just—it's just like we want to find our guys, not the future guys,
1: uh, because you're gonna be gone. Right. Yeah, I think uh, too. We have a little bit of a visitor in the screenshot there. Hey, walking uh, through around the four one two. Um, but yeah, I, it's gonna be interesting to see. That's a good point, though. I mean, how much of a say is—is is the next guy going to have, especially if the next guy is already in the organization? Um, again goes back to why it's just so clear in my opinion that it will be an internal guy Um, that's all we got for the Steelers so we'll be right back we're going to talk about the penguins to wrap the show like we always do but hey let us know what you guys think about this conversation is it Brandon Hunt is it Omar Khan do you think it's an outside guy do you want it to be an outside guy do you really not care do you think the sky is falling because Ben is gone let us know in the comments Uh, this is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network we'll be right back Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DT Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. Let's finish up the show. talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins ice hockey team. Uh, not a great week for the team, honestly. I mean, they they come out, they get a win against the Coyotes, 6-3, but they even started off that game pretty slow. Didn't have their legs under them. Picked it up late in the game. Uh, Brian Boyle with... A, goal of the year candidate going between his legs uh (laughs) since that game since that game it's pretty much been the crosby line the only line producing anything offensively and they haven't been great defensively either by the way and nobody else showing up i mean they're getting nothing from their bottom six it actually reminds me back to when gino first came back um you know DT brought up a great point and uh, and i'll bring it up again here because it still holds true when these guys come back, when the superstars come back, we got Brian Rust still doing his thing, scoring at a point per game pace this season. Jake Denzel continues to score goals. Crosby scoring. Geno's scoring, especially on the power play. Where are the complementary pieces? Why do they disappear when these guys come back? It just, it doesn't make sense. Where is Evan Rodriguez right now? Where is, I know Dayton Heinen didn't play today. Apparently, he's an upper body injury. Where's a guy like Dayton Heinen? Where is anything from your bottom six? I understand they're missing Teddy Bluter right now. Is he literally the glue for that entire bottom six to produce anything? I mean, this This is insane. They're getting absolutely nothing complimentary right now.
0: Yeah. I don't know what it is because it's not like this should diminish your play on the ice. When these guys come back, I understand that it's going to limit your ice time and it, it changes who you're going to be playing with. Like, obviously if, if uh, the top two lines are fully healthy, Evan Rodriguez is not going to be playing with Sidney Crosby or Kenny Malkin, but I mean, he's still playing with Jeff Carter in that scenario. and, it's not a bad line mate whatsoever. I don't. I don't know why some of these guys, whenever they go in that bottom six role, they just kind of fill into what we would think they should be at, and not what they were producing at. And I. I, I don't know if it's it's literally just that big of a drop off for who they're playing with that they were so used to playing with the top six that they can't play with anyone else. Like, it, does everyone have what? Like everybody would say, is like Connor Sherry syndrome or Dom Simone syndrome, where like you can only play on the top line if you're anywhere else. It doesn't work. I I don't think that's the case. I don't know, but I I think that's they're obviously in slumps. Like some of these players are in slumps. Evan Rodriguez, we've talked about it on the show before. He's been in a really big slump, especially compared to what he was going at the rate that he was playing at early this season. And I mean, even into the new year, really, it started around then, is around the new year is when he started to slow down. And maybe that is just a case of, like, us getting these guys back. But that's where I'm saying, like, I don't think that the diminished ice time and moving a couple lines down really should diminish your individual play that much. And that makes me wonder, like, was he relying on his teammates that much? Because it really didn't seem like it. No. It seemed like it was like an individual <laughs> He was effort. carrying the
1: puck more than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, he, exactly. he was the puck it, carrier for his shooting line, Shooting
0: the puck. I, I feel like that's completely changed for Evan Rodriguez and a number of these guys in the bottom six and all the scoring, for, like you said, over the past week has come from either the sideline or the power play, I think. And that's mm-hmm. actually yeah. a shock in its own right is that the power play has actually been scoring goals. And I Complete think that's the opposite from what was going on at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And Gino coming back, it's, it's been a great thing for the power play. Um, it, it, they've, I don't know what the rate is like compared to whenever he wasn't, wasn't on the, power I know they scored eight out of now. the last nine games. Exactly. And they would be lucky to score out of one out of nine games before he was on the power play so they've they've yeah. got some good things still going for them but yeah it was a rough week I mean they still got some points out of the Seattle and the Detroit game but those are two games against
1: of the yeah they got four the points in, in four games yeah yeah, yeah. And, I and, think and, for me and, and, go ahead if you're still I, I just I wanted to no, say I was just like to say
0: it's two, it's two of the worst teams in the league. I can't. I don't know how you should expect to go into overtime with one of them and lose in overtime in a game that you should clearly win it against the Kraken, and then you go into a shootout. And I mean, the shootout's a dumb way to lose anyway. But the the game should have never gotten to a shootout. You should have been able able to handle Seattle. You should be able to handle Detroit. And I know LA has been solid, especially compared to where, where they were at the beginning of the year, but. The yeah. defensive effort in that game was terrible. I feel like every goal that the LA Kings From scored top, was. Unit. Yeah, and it was completely like different than what they were a couple weeks ago. They were very sound defensively, and that's not what mm-hmm. we saw this week, especially in that Sunday game against the LA Kings. And the fact that we were able to tie it, I was like, okay, the Penguins are on a roll. Now we're going to get the win. And then Trevor Moore is just cherry picking in the little back, and but <laughs> no one's back to cover him. I mean, how can I blame him yeah. for being there when no, like, no one's back to cover him? It's an odd man rush every like every single time they were scoring in that game. But I, I just think that the Penguins, they are not playing the same way they were when they were on that 10-11 game win streak, whatever it was. They are not being as sound defensively. And like you said, from that top unit as well, they aren't getting depth scoring from all four lines. It's really one or two lines that's doing all the scoring. and it's it, what you need for this team to play like what we saw and what the Pittsburgh Penguins should be is the defensive effort that translates into the offensive production. Because I think that's, that's when the Penguins are most successful is when everybody's bought in they back checking, they're playing great defense and that's what springs the offense into odd man rushes. And that, that speed game that Sullivan loves to play. We just haven't gotten that lately.
1: Yeah, they're they've completely dried up. Like their scoring has completely dried up in five on five. They're only scoring on the power play right now, the occasional goal from that first line. They're getting absolutely nothing five on five. Uh I guess I should say even strength, because even we saw a four on four goal today, or I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon from Drew Dowdy. Um, which, you know, again, an odd man rush. I actually thought that Sunday's game against the Kings, they played better than they did in either of those two back-to-back games against Seattle or Detroit. They just made a bunch of costly turnovers, and Tristan Jari didn't bail them out today the way that we've seen him do in the past, which you can't blame him. He can't do that literally every single night, but he just he didn't have that type of performance today to completely steal one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they still get four points in four games, but it's you looked at the schedule that they had this week and would have thought, I, like, I don't know, they're going to win three out of four uh, and yeah, walk out of this week with at, at least, least six, six points. points this week. Yeah.
0: Um, but, yeah, one other thing I wanted to bring up with the Penguins is a, a guy that we've been harping on all season who on Friday night, honestly. I swear to God. I, I'm not saying that he should stay the backup, but maybe that was the game oh, that Casey DeSmith okay. needed. I don't know what you thought I was going to say, but I was going to say Casey Smith, I thought against the Red Wings, played a really solid game. He just didn't yeah. get a great effort in front of them. And it's a shame mm-hmm. that they lost in the shootout. And also, can I say, I agree with you. The, the Penguins got to be one of the worst shootout teams in the league because they all do <laughs> the exact same thing. There's no dekes, no dangles. There's no creativity. It is literally all we're going to sh- we're, we're gonna do
1: like maybe one move and then we're just going to take a wrist shot. That's That's all they do. Yeah, Jake comes in with that bicycle kick and tries to open up the five hole every single time. Sid comes in slow and wants to shoot top right shelf. And then Latang doesn't even do really the backhand anymore. He goes backhand forehand and tries to go top right shelf. I mean, it's like these guys, I understand like they have signature patented moves, but when you continue to go to that well, the other team's going to figure it out. You got to have something else in your arsenal. Uh, So like everybody was getting on. Uh, jari at the beginning of the year i'm like why is nobody talking about the shooters they're not even scoring in the shootouts like what does it matter he could give up one goal in the shootout and it's not going to matter because these guys can't that's what the, the other did. end like yeah so i, I the, don't the, know the smiths man. gave up one goal
0: but besides the shootout i thought the smith played actually really well he played a ton of key saves and s- including that, that one in huge overtime huge one in overtime that was incredible yeah. but and i'm not saying that he he will just play like this the rest of the way. Maybe he just goes back to what he was the rest of the season. This worst case scenario. Before. But but I'm saying like maybe this was the game that sparked him and gave him the confidence that he needed moving forward as we figure out this backup goaltender situation.
1: Yeah, it, it's just it, I hope it doesn't. It, it could be a worst case you know scenario though where it's like he plays like this kind of puts the penguins brass at ease that they don't need to go out and get a backup goaltender and then he just completely flounders again once they decide not to or something after the trade deadline (laughs) like but i mean yeah it's definitely a a warm welcome they need literally any type of goaltending performance that they can get behind tristan jari so for casey smith to have that performance and get a point for the penguins in a game where tristan jari doesn't play hard for me to complain about it you gotta tip the cap there um I, I mentioned Danton I'm, Heinen getting scratched today. What's that? Well, you, I, was, you, you I,
0: I, I don't know if this is where you were going beforehand, but I was okay. very curious. You you looked terrified whenever I was. Oh, yeah, up yeah, what yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, there's,
1: there's two more things I want to bring up with the pens. One of them is going to be okay. where I thought you were going. But All right. I'll bring your, up this one first.
0: Terrified.
1: Yeah, because this guy watching him terrifies me. Uh, but gotcha. so mentioned. Uh Danton Heine getting scratched day. We we see <laughs> Redeems a Horna jump into the lineup. Listen, I'm not somebody you if you listen to the show, if you watch the show, you know I'm not somebody that thinks Dom Simone is completely useless. I think that he has a role in the NHL, you know, on certain rosters, but we can't have all these analytical darlings that don't score. Like you can't I, I feel like you can't play Dom Simone and Zach Aston Reese in the same lineup with a combined three goals right now. That's why you have no scoring in your bottom six. I think Redeems a Horna needs to be playing over a guy like Dom Simone every single night. When they are healthy Um, and hopefully, you know, him getting back in the lineup today, I thought he had a pretty strong performance today as well. I thought he was one of their better skaters, Um, even, you know, through that first 40 minutes where they weren't really doing much. Uh, But uh, he's a guy that he has kind of climbed to that like top prospect ranking for me. Honestly, with the the way that we've seen guys uh, like Poland fall off, later Ray fall off in terms of their prospect rankings, like to me this is is, might be the most intriguing guy that they have, younger guy that they have in the system right now. And I want him to get all the NHL time that he can. So I don't know where you are on a guy like him, but I I was very excited to see him get back into the lineup, and I think that he needs to stay there. So I
0: like him a lot. I I think that. Based off of his size and what kind of player you would expect him to be, based off his size, he's the complete opposite of that. I think he's a lot more skilled to his game than all of us probably expected when he made his debut. Mm-hmm. Was that last season?
1: His the knock his on him was his skating. Yeah, and I, I just I don't see that when I watch him. Play. But I feel that's a, that's improved.
0: Yeah. I, I don't notice is poor skating now, and I, I'm pretty sure but that's he what I'm can saying. I, I, he looks well. fluid,
1: and I didn't think that that was like an issue even going back to last year. Like I don't know what he looked like prior to you know playing in Wilkesbury or whatever, but I, I he doesn't look like a guy to me that should have ever had a knock on him for his skating ability. So that's how drastically no, changed. And,
0: and I, I think that he, I'm with you. I think he needs to be in the lineup every single time until he really shows that he shouldn't be there, um, because. I'm with you. I've I have loved Dom Simone. I have protected Sam Simone and defended him. But at some some point, if you're not going to score, you shouldn't be in the lineup. And especially with <coughs> the rate that the bottom six is scoring for the Penguins right now, you, you need guys that are going to produce for you. Um, and hopefully, Resemdes Horna can do that. I, I th- but yeah, I think that he has a lot of skill and a lot of upside to his game. And I think that he should be c- continuing to play.
1: The last thing that I want to bring up, and I'm very curious to get your take on this. I'm curious to get everybody else's take on this guy. I am massively disappointed with this player. Maybe it's because I set my expectations preseason too high on him. Kasperi Kapanen, man, like, what does he do for this team? Wasn't that your preseason like it, goal scorer or goal leader? Yeah, yeah the team? I thought he was going to have, like, 32, 33 goals somewhere around there. And I thought with it being as spread out, like, I thought we'd have a bunch of guys in that, like, 15 to 20 goal range. But I thought he'd be the leader of the pack. And, man, do I look like an idiot for that prediction. But I just want to bring I'll up that it, I said Brian uh,
0: Rust, just
1: saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at, like, per game basis, I mean, he's he's definitely right there. So, um but yeah, Kapanen, man, it's just he's brutal to watch a lot of the time. Like he just looks so lethargic. Um, like he, it, it just it looks like he doesn't want to be out there a lot of the time. He just like skates around aimlessly with a puck, loses the puck so easily. He's just he's bringing nothing right now. And so he played – he's played nine games with Evgeny Malkin back. Right, he's been demoted mm-hmm. off of his line three different times, and today and he didn't he, even he start he got on that line. Down to the fourth line. Yeah. He played on the fourth line today. I think that the thing with
0: Kapanen that I'm confused about is I don't know whether or not he just doesn't care or if it's just like a mental thing that he's he's trying to work through. Like, I don't know if he's just like out there skating around and he just doesn't really care what's happening around him. Like, I I don't want to I don't want to do any like judgment on that part. Like, maybe,
1: maybe he said himself. That he's had that he has trouble sometimes staying engaged. Like he said that himself. It's very words. Yeah, that's so. true.
0: That's true. Uh, you're you're right. I can't I can't really defend that. I, I was just I was just trying to think maybe maybe it's just a mental thing like trying to work through his game. If you're in such a big slump, I know that can like be a lot on your mind. But I, I I hope he's trying. But if he's not
1: trying, then <laughs> he shouldn't be in there. Yeah. I just I think that you know we keep going back and I think rightfully so you know people want to continue to look at the Jason Zucker trade and put a magnifying glass on that one and look at the mistake that it was. I mean the Kasperi Kapanen trade, like, no, I'm I think it belongs kind of in that same space. No. Yeah,
0: and I, uh, it's funny because the more you look at the Kasperi Kapanen trade. It's like, okay, we got Evan Rodriguez back. Phillip we Pauling got Evan is Rodriguez back. back. So, <laughs> what did, so, what, so, what, so what did we really trade for him? But like trading our first-round pick, and by, by the way, it was the highest first-round pick that you would have had since 2012.
1: Yeah. Uh, since listen, I'm, even, I'm, even, I'm not even attached years. to the idea of draft picks. I'm saying they could have traded that pick for a better player if they were going to move yeah. it.
0: Yeah. But even if they kept it, that was your highest pick that you had mm-hmm. had in like eight years, and you're trading it for that. And... Jim Rutherford's last few years mean, especially with the way the Zucker trade has worked out, the way the Kasperi Capitan trade is looking like it's going to be working out. The last few years were very rough for him. The best thing he ever did was cut Jack Johnson and it was one of the last things he ever did. Hmm. But after <laughs> signed Jack Johnson. But yeah, I I just it, it really like eases my mind knowing that we have Heckstall in there and we I I don't think either of us see him making flashy trades like that like he might he might go out there and try to get somebody big but i don't think he's just gonna throw first round picks around
1: willy-nilly the way jim rutherford did yeah it's gonna have to be the right deal not just a deal with hechstall and i think that that's the difference and the difference also we're never gonna know when it's coming like rutherford we knew who it was when it was happening well before it happened when he would tee in on somebody um Last thing about Kapanen and still, and I want to know what the, the guys in the comments think as well. Um he's an RFA after this year. How do we think that this situation plays out? I mean, what do you tender him for? Like I, I don't really know how that
0: works, but like you give him a qualifying offer, but what's your offer gonna be? it, it shouldn't be a lot. Like he he makes what, three and a half ish million yep. dollars right now? I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you can he really warrant three and a half million dollars whenever we're playing? We're paying uh, Jeff Carter's three point one. We didn't even bring up that Penguins resigned Jeff Carter to a two year deal at three point one and change million dollars a year. But how can we really warrant giving a guy like Kapanen who has shown no progression and no progress towards the player that we thought we were getting in that trade or hoped that we were getting in that trade? How could we give him even the same amount of money for what we're getting from him now compared to like yeah. what we're getting from Carter? We're, ge- we're giving a 37-year-old $3.1 million because he's playing a lot better than the 25-year-old or however cap- old Kapanen is. I, I, I just mm-hmm. don't really see how it works out where the Penguins really – I'm not going to say they don't want him, but like at the rate he's going, they're not going to need him because he's not doing anything.
1: It's gonna be interesting to see i I don't know, but yeah, I'd like to hear from the folks in the comments what they think happens here with Kasperi captain being an r f a at the end of the year, especially I mean look at all the u f a s that they have to worry about as well, so i I don't know, I don't know. You mentioned Brian Rust is the guy that you predicted to score the most goals, yeah he's to himself out of Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, even with the production that he had been putting up in past years that you would figure that that was going to be the case unless he would take another hometown discount. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, Only one game this week for them, though, Tuesday against the Capitals. So we'll see. uh, We'll see how that plays out. We'll be back next week. I will be in Mobile, Alabama for the senior bowl covering that for the week. Um, I won't be there for the game on Saturday, but I'll be there for the week practices with my boy, Noah Strackbine, Donnie Drew, and Richie Bradshaw. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing. I think I'm going to be linking up with uh, with Dale to Dale Lolly from DT Pittsburgh Sports to do something for the site. Um, but other than that, I, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my, my set up there. We're going to do something. I don't <laughs> know. Might do some live shows or something from there and try to get some prospect interviews We'll see how it plays out, but we'll be in touch with how that's all going to go. Um, other than that, I don't think I got anything else unless you do.
0: Nope. Um, go Rams. That's the, that's the only thing I can think go of. Go Rams. Of. We'll we will talk
1: to you before the Super Bowl, but still, go Rams. We'll say it again next week. Um, <laughs> But other than that, like I said, let us know in the comments, anything that you guys want to hear. Let us know if you have a question, tweet it at us, put it in the comments, whatever it might be. Uh, Other than that, for Smitty, for Tyler, this is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll talk to you guys next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.